Hello and welcome to the APAC file, the joint bi-weekly podcast of Radio Free Radio Liberty and the Wilson Center focusing on Pakistan in Afghanistan. I'm Mohammed Tahir, Radio Free Radio Liberty's media manager and host of the APAC file podcast here in Washington, D.C. So finally, peace talks are underway between the Afghan delegation and the Taliban representatives in Doha. And progress are made on some issues, but many issues remain to be sorted out. We don't know all the details, but the fact that the things have reached to this point point is already a landslide achievement and it gives us hope that something could come out of these meetings. Given all is happening behind the door, today we are here to examine where are we as we speak, where things are headed and what are the areas we should keep an eye to determine what comes next. To discuss all these, I'm joined by Nader Nadri, member of the Afghan negotiating team in, in Doha, Rahimullah Yousafzai, senior Pakistani journalist and a Taliban expert who's joining us from Peshawar, Pakistan. We are hoping to have Malali Bashir, senior Afghan journalist with RF Yarel's uh, Afghan service, Radio Azadi. Uh, she will be joining us from Prague. And Michael Kugelman, senior South Asia fellow and the deputy director of the Wilson Center's Asia programs in Washington, D.C. Thank you very much, colleagues, for joining us on this important conversation. Now, it's been uh, quite a struggle to, to bring uh, this panel together as each of you have more important things going on than talking to us. So in, in respect of your time, I'm intending to conclude the conversation within 30-35 minutes, so I respectfully ask you to keep your uh, comments, reactions brief so that we are on time. With this, Mr. Nadri, please tell us how the progress or the process has been so far and what's the focus of the discussion at this point? Thank you very much. We have had a week, a constructive week in the past few days. We have worked out on uh, setting up the rules and procedures and uh, basically the rules that will guide us throughout the negotiation. As you know, we do not have, or we agree to not have, a mediator or facilitator from a third party. And to do that uh, in the right way throughout the difficult conversations that we have ahead of us, uh, we had to agree on a clear set of rules. And the reason that it's taking time is basically because we need to set those rules very clear, very straight, uh, very practical, so that as we move on, any aspects of the difficult process of negotiation on uh, some of the very, very critical issues to be smoother uh, throughout the process. So I would say meetings are constructive, mm-hmm. reserved, uh, with steps forward. Okay. So, Mr. Yusufzai, uh, what do you hear from the from the Taliban camp of these talks, and how is it compared with what Mr. Nadri has just said? Uh, I think uh, what I am hearing is almost the same as Mr. Nadri is saying. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the two sides are talking constructively, as he said. I think that uh, there is a lot of interest in the conversation. The difficult issues, you know, have not been, I think, really discussed until now because the issue of ceasefire, the issue of uh, the system of government in Afghanistan in future, but these have been partially discussed, but not really focused because, you know, uh, the contact groups have been meeting. Also, you know, the, the full meeting has taken place. There are no foreigners in the meeting hall. So these are all Afghans talking to each other, which is good, I think. And uh, Taliban, you know, seems to be saying that they have a plan A and plan B. I don't know because plan A should mean maybe the peace process and plan B should meet maybe 
if the peace process fails, what next they want to do. This is what we are hearing, mm -hmm. but most of these things are, I think, secret. So we had to try to dig out the facts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm certainly uh, interested in talking about the plan B and A's. Uh, meanwhile, Michael, Ambassador Khalilzad is also shadowing the conversation. He must be relieved that, that this is finally happening. So uh, what is view from Washington? And also in the middle of the discussion, Ambassador Khalilzad went to Pakistan to meet the Pakistani army chief. I guess my question is views from Washington in Pakistan and what Khalilzad was doing in Islamabad. Well, thanks, Mohammed, and and also I, I echo your thanks to, to both of our panelists, Mr. Nadari and Mr. Yousafzai. You two are, are are very busy doing a lot, and I'm more inclined to listen to what you have to say than to speak on my own. So I'll be very brief. You know, I think here in Washington, the ideal outcome uh, now that these peace peace talks have started is that there would actually be some type of agreement before the U.S. election. Uh, it's not going to happen, uh, or should I say I would be extremely surprised if that happened. And I think that the administration here recognizes that. I imagine what, what the more realistic, or what a more realistic goal is here in Washington is that there be some type of meaningful discussions, at the least, about the idea of a uh, some type of violence reduction plan, that there would at least be some discussions about that and that that agenda point would at least be on the table over the next few months. But I think it's quite clear, given how engaged uh, Khalil Zad has continued to be since these talks have started, that the U.S. is very committed to, be, to doing everything it can to move the needle. Uh, the needle cannot move as quickly as the U.S. may wish it to. But I think that there's a, a, a genuine goal on the part of the U.S. government to do what it can to work with both of the main parties, um, but also with other key players like the Pakistanis. And I think it's significant that Khalil Zad had that most recent trip to Islamabad, where I imagine the hope was to try to get the, the Pakistanis to use whatever leverage they have over the Taliban to to try to convey priorities and, and, and offer the talks ahead. Um, Mr. Nadri, apparently Americans are positive about Pakistan's rule at this stage. And I know the historic view from Kabul whenever it comes to any peace talks with the Taliban, the position Pakistanis take. So what about the Afghans? What about your view at this stage, the, the role that Pakistan is playing? Well, as we all know, Pakistan have had and has a significant role in the continuation of the conflict in Afghanistan. And we hope that they would play a significant role also in ending this conflict. We, as the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan, have tried every means and ways to make sure that the legitimate concerns of Pakistan is addressed and discussed directly, and therefore so that they could become a player, an actor, uh, constructively in stability of the region. We have not yet succeeded, and we hope that through these top peace talks, that now our people long for peace and stability, they deserve a region, the people of our region deserves peace and stability and economic development. And the world as a whole stands, as it was clear on the inauguration of the talks, world leaders have, have made very clear that they want an Afghanistan that's stable, that's democratic, uh, that its people makes its decision that the violence ends and conflict ends and economic developments pursues. So I hope they join that crowd. Foreign Minister Qureshi made some some statements reserved, but we welcome and hopefully that they would also use their significant leverage that they have on the Taliban, that they could work to help 
getting the peace talks move to agree on the cessation of hostilities and conflict and violence so we can achieve a ceasefire and we can, as Afghans, we are fully committed right. and faithful to forge a shared future. And right. that's what makes us to be here. As Mr. Yusuf Zai said throughout the past days, uh, we at the, both of the contact uh, group uh, and also in the general uh, meeting, mm. uh, that has been the spirit. Uh, we, we try to use every means to remain calm, remain focused mm. and remain engaged. Right. Uh, so this window of opportunity could be utilized properly. Right. right. So I realize that, Mr. Nadri, you are still talking about in the terms of hope when it comes to Pakistan. Mr. Yusuf say uh, are Pakistanis at this stage are a honest broker in this peace talks? I think this will be decided by the stakeholders, whether Pakistan is an honest broker or Pakistan is playing mischief. I hear in Pakistan, I hear a lot of self-praise by the Pakistani officials. They say, we have done it, we have motivated, we have pushed the Taliban first to hold peace talks with the Americans and now with the Afghan government. So they are actually taking credit. Although I also know for sure that Taliban themselves were very keen to first talk to the Americans and because they were saying that uh, America is one of the stakeholders and it is involved in the conflict. So they managed to do that, achieve that. Americans, uh, you know, talked to the Taliban for 18 months, then they had a peace agreement. Pakistan, along the way, played the role of a troubleshooter. If you recall, in October last year, Trump had actually ended the peace talks, and then Pakistan invited Zalmi Khalilzad and Mullah Birader to Islamabad and arranged their meeting, and that meeting actually led to a breakthrough, and the talks resumed, and finally we had the agreement in February. So I think that, uh, you know, Pakistan believes that it has a significant role to play, Pakistan claimed that it is playing that very Mm. positive role. Pakistan, uh, you know, is also a bit worried about the use of Afghanistan territory by the TTP, by Daesh, by the Baloch separatists. That has been a major concern nowadays in Pakistan. And uh, many people who criticize Pakistani policy, they say that Pakistan is doing the same. It has, you know, offered refuge to the Afghan Taliban and the Haqqani network. So both sides are doing it uh, tit for tat kind of thing. Right. But Uh, I think that... uh, Yeah, I just wanted to bring in... Pakistan is also getting praise from the U.S. Right, yeah. And that makes them very happy Mm -hmm. as well. Right. And, uh, Michael, you might recall in our previous conversation, one of our speakers who is, uh, in fact, Afghan uh, speaker, hinted the possibility of India playing a negative role given Pakistan's growing prominence in these discussions. So what about the other actors in the region like India, like Iran, maybe Russia? Are they okay? What's going on in Doha? Well, you know, I would say that all of the regional actors that have played a role in the broader peace mm. uh, and reconciliation process to this point, uh, even if, if a modest role, so countries like, like Iran, Russia, China, uh, certainly Pakistan, um, you know, countries that have hosted informal meetings with the Taliban or that have met with Taliban officials or have tried to push forward the, the peace and reconciliation process, I think that they are all officially on the same page and that they recognize that their country's interests would best be served by having a more peaceful Afghanistan and certainly an Afghanistan at, at, at peace. 
you know, India, of course, has not been all that involved in the peace and reconciliation mm. process. Um, it does not have the links to the Taliban. It does not engage with the Taliban like these other countries have. You know, I, I would like to believe that um, India certainly also benefits from having Afghanistan be a more peaceful, stable place. However, there is significant concern in New Delhi that um, the peace process, if it plays out successfully in the ways that it would be envisioned to today, could result in a, in a political settlement where the Taliban wields significant influence. And I think what we're seeing, that's concerning for, for India, what we're seeing is a change, even a paradigm shift in New Delhi, where I think there's a recognition that it's important to try to engage with the Taliban more, to prepare for the likelihood that uh, you will eventually see some type of government in Afghanistan in which the Taliban wields a role. So if you want to talk about spoilers, I talk about ISIS, mm-hmm. I talk about groups like that. I think that India is understands that even if the peace process isn't playing out in the way that it would ideally like it to, that's still a lot better than in Afghanistan continually uh, at war. And there's a need for New Delhi mm, to try mm, to do more, to try to figure out ways to get access, to engage with, with the Taliban. Right, right. You know, it looks like so far so good as it sounds, but hopefully next phases will be also smooth and peace and stability returns to Afghanistan. But is there anything that can still derail the conversation? If so, what is that? And what are these plan A and Bs that we are talking about and where we should be looking at to determine what comes next and what it means. So we will continue the debate talking about these and many other questions very shortly. First, let me recap the Afpak File podcast that today I'm joined by Nader Nadri, a member of the Afghan negotiating team in Doha, Rahimullah Yusufzai, senior Pakistani journalist and a prominent Taliban expert. He's joining us from Pakistan. I am still not able to get Malale Bashir from our Afghan team, and I really wanted to have a female voice in this conversation. Let's hope that she will join us. Uh, and also Michael Kugelman uh, is joining us from Washington, D.C., who's the senior South Asia Fellow and the Deputy Director of the Wilson Center's Asia Programs. I'm Mohammed Tahir, Radio Free Arbit Liberties Media Manager and host of the PAC File Podcast, also in Washington, D.C. And we are discussing the Af- Afghan peace talks between the Delegation of High uh, Peace Council of Afghanistan and the Taliban representatives. So, uh, Mr. Nadri, let me start with you again. So, what's the next step in this in this discussion, in this process? And when when would that start? The next step is, as every day, we have agreed on a schedule of meetings. Mm. Uh, there is discussion about much more formalizing that. We meet every morning, every afternoon to finish the rules and procedure. As soon as that is done, uh, we hope that early next week we can begin uh, finalizing a shared agenda of negotiation and a framework of it, and then to start immediately launching a discussion about ceasefire and silencing the guns. That's the demand that Afghan people have. There was a talk about plan A, plan B for us, the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan. Our forces are courageously fighting on a daily basis. They're protecting our people uh, while they're sacrificing themselves also. There's a lot of civilians lose their life. In the past few days, unfortunately, there were a good number of Afghans who have lost their life. Right. And we want to stop that. And therefore, for us, there's no other plan. We continue protecting our people. We continue defending the country. But also, for us, there's only one plan. 
and that is to get through this process and bring peace to our country and to forge a shared future for our people. That's what we are here. Our willingness to make sure that every stone is turned around to find that common ground. Right, right. Uh, that's what uh, that's what is our instruction here. There's no Plan B instruction. And mm. uh, uh, for us, uh, we actively, as I said, in the job of defending and protecting the people. But here, our uh, job, the, the negotiation mm. team's job, is to only focus on uh, bringing peace, convincing the mm. other side to mm. accept that Afghanistan is a different country today. Right. Our people's demands and wishes are different, mm. so mm. we can get our uh, forces together and our acts together and try to build our country right, together right, right. Uh, and have a shared future where the rights and freedoms mm. of our people are protected mm. and we become a stable country right. for ourselves and for the region. Right. So, Mr. Yusuf Zai, uh, Mr. Nadri is saying that they don't have a plan B, but it appears that Taliban has a plan B. And the, there was a statement circulating around discussing the Taliban as plan B. And first of all, what is your reading of of that plan B, what the source of that plan B and what they are talking about. And also, you know, I, I know you have something going on, but if you can stay for a while, just one more thought I also had is uh, now the next stage, as Mr. Nadri has mentioned, the next stage is, yeah, that they are uh, trying to agree in terms of the procedures with the Taliban and how uh, things go forward and also the agenda. So when you look into what the Afghan delegation is talking about in terms of their agenda for the future discussion and as much knowledge you have from what the Taliban's priorities are, where they meet, where they separate. I know it's a kind of complicated number of questions I'm trying to add in one phrase, but if you could, let's start with the Taliban's plan B and then about the meeting and clashing points of their agendas. You know, the Taliban, Rehberi Shura, Taliban Supreme Leader, Taliban negotiating team, they are not really mentioned publicly plan B, but these are individuals who have been saying these things, plan A and plan B. But I think every side, every stakeholder has some options. They will keep those options in mind. For example, if the peace talks fail, what next? I heard statements coming out of Kabul as well. And uh, Mr. Ahmed Zia Masood, he said that, uh, you know, the Afghan government and people who are part of the system, they should prepare for uh, conflict, for war, when the foreign troops leave. I know I know Ahmadziya Masood may not be that important, but you know, I, I thought that there are people on both sides who have taken a hard line. Uh, some say it publicly, some say it privately. I in fact propose that there should be a ceasefire of statements by both sides. When they are negotiating, you know, we talk about a ceasefire of the guns, but there should also be a ceasefire of statements. Hmm. Because sometimes the statements could be very provocative and that could, uh, you know, make things very difficult. Hmm. So I think that first plan and the focus is on the peace talks. And I think there's a lot of positivity uh, because even the statements after the meetings are more or less aligned with each other. There are no major differences which have been aired. But I think if the talks do not make progress or if the talks collapse, then they will have to think about what next. And as I said, you know, I think everybody should try to ensure that there are no preparations for more fighting. And there should be more preparation for more talking, more peace talks. 
Your second question, you know, I think uh, uh, I am even forgetting the question. But what, what I was uh, saying, like, in, when the uh, the next phase of the discussion will the start? Agenda, agenda, yeah, the agenda. Okay. And I'm yes, just I saying, think, uh, uh, Taliban, Nabri, Taliban has yes. certain certain uh, ideas uh, about the, let's say, about the ending war, maybe women's rule in the future, and also the, the form of the Afghan government. I mean, where those agendas meet and where they clash? I think after the rules of procedures are finalized, then they will talk about the agenda, as Mr. Nadri said. I think there are so many issues which need to be discussed and resolved. You have mentioned some of them. Mr. Nadri also has mentioned some of those issues. And I think, uh, you know, no side will have any veto power to exclude any issue. So ceasefire will be the priority for the Afghan government, Taliban, uh, you know, as they agreed with the Americans earlier, reduction in violence, if this is what suits them. Maybe a ceasefire will be the next step. But I think that, you know, they will continue talking about Sharia. They will talk maybe about an interim government, which which has been ruled out by Dr. Abdullah. Uh, You know, the human rights, women rights, democracy, Uh, system of government, all these issues will be part of the agenda. Mm -hmm. There will be even more issues which are not being discussed publicly. So I think that it's going to be a long process and the issues are so many and so complicated that it will take a while even to agree on the agenda. Mm-hmm. Is there anything, Mr. Nadri, you would like to add what what Mr. Yusufzai has just said from the from the Taliban's perspective? I mean, yeah, we, ending the war is, of course, your priority as the Afghan uh, delegation. But uh, Taliban is saying that until elements, which is the basic cause of the war, is there, the ceasefire might not be their priority. And also then women's role in the future of the country in form of the government. Once So once you sit down with the Taliban to discuss these agenda items, these priorities, how you imagine? Imagine that discussion would look like. I mean, you have 360 opposing views on some of those issues. I mean, this is what I meant uh, when I asked the question about what's next in this in this conversation. Well, a negotiation is a process where you get ironed out the differences and to find a common ground, and that's what we're trying. We would try to understand what makes and forms the interest, and therefore to go around these rhetorics and find out how we can address them jointly so that their interests are served. For us, for our people, Afghans on a daily basis are longing to end this conflict. They're longing to see that the guns are stopped, the values that they have lost so much life and sacrificed so much for it is strengthened. And one part of it is an Afghanistan that everybody lives in it, in peace and stability. Unless you silence the guns, you cannot eliminate the causes of this conflict unless we stop killing each other and joining hands to face the bigger challenges of the root causes, the foreign interferences, the neighboring mangling and the proxy wars and the drugs and uh, the, the, uh, our inability collectively to establish a proper rule of law. These require collective actions and at the top of that requires to stop the guns. And that's what we are going to convince them. One thing that's very much for sure for us is to to make sure that the, the Taliban understand that the violence does not make them stronger. If they stop guns, they would not be diminished. They would not be weaker. We will not consider them mm. smaller if they don't submit to violence. That's what we are faithfully and genuinely committed to, to work with them, 
so that we can build not only the trust but also a common future for our mm-hmm. people. Mr. Yusufzai, leaving aside the differences of opinion on women's rights, which is not to be underestimated as a, as a huge topic, also leaving aside the, the differences of opinion about the form of the future Afghan government, just to pick up from where, where Mr. Manadri has finished his, his comments about the, about the place of ceasefire in the list of priorities for the Afghan delegation. So what it will take for the Taliban to adhere to this demand? And do you see this is happening at all? I think, uh, you know, agreeing to a ceasefire will require a lot of hard work on the part of Taliban leadership because they have to, you know, make their fighters and commanders in the field to understand that, you know, they have to silence the guns because, you know, that is the requirement, that is a demand. In fact, it is becoming a universal demand that there should be a ceasefire. So I think that one is to convince their fighters that ceasefire is going to be in our interest. Secondly, you know, as we all know, because of the use of force, they have come this far. They have achieved something. Hmm. They have made a deal with the Americans. And, uh, you know, they are hoping to make a deal with the Afghan government and the other anti-Taliban forces. So I believe that ceasefire eventually will have to be accepted. But maybe in the beginning, they will be reluctant, you know, as it happened with the Americans as well, because the Americans then put a condition that Taliban will cease fire for one week from 22nd of February, and then they will sign a deal on 29th of February, which uh, happened the way the Americans wanted, because uh, the Americans conceded that Taliban were able to enforce the ceasefire. They were able to prove that the fighters listened to the Shura and they can enforce the ceasefire. They have a unity of command. So I think uh, maybe it will happen, but maybe not immediately. Okay, I know you guys have to leave us. Just the very last question, then I will let all of you go. So uh, I guess though there is a lot to talk about yet, but we will get back to it in in upcoming weeks, certainly. So very final remarks from each of you. So where we should be looking at to determine what comes next and what it means. Let's start with uh, Mr. Nadri. Well, I, I probably I, I would leave this conversation with this message that, that there is a full commitment from our side. Peace is a process that requires a lot of patience, and we are uh, committed to have that patience. And it's a window of opportunity. We work to make sure that that's not closing from our side, uh, fully committed to it. And in this process, what we want our international partners and neighboring uh, countries to do two things. One, to create more goodwill and support for the process so those engaged and those who they have leverage on could faithfully engage in this peace process so we can end this war sooner. Second, to do not jump into early conclusion that who is for and who is for uh, against something. And, and therefore also to not try to discourage when the demands for inclusivity comes, the demand for women's rights comes and do not dismiss them as oh, a mere uh, Kabul-based women activist or civil society activist. Th- these are demands for rights, for freedom, for liberal Afghanistan across the country and do engage in supporting those, those voices as we move on. 
Right. Uh, so, Mr. Yusuf Zai, your points. I mean, what what I mean uh, to ask here is, I mean, yeah, the process has started and there were efforts in the past uh, to come to this stage, but it didn't work out somehow. But today, Afghans are sitting together and talking to each other, the opposing sides. Now, going forward, what are the areas we should be looking at to determine that things are working out this time or things are breaking apart? What What should be the signs that we should be looking at? I think right now things are working. Hmm. There's a lot of uh, commitment from all sides. All the stakeholders are fully involved. Uh, you know, I think that Taliban are also committed to the peace process because they you now realize that because of the peace process, they were able to make a deal with the U.S. And that they consider as one of their biggest achievements. So that has given them hope that they can also make some achievement by talking to their Afghan countrymen. So I think that the commitment is there. And uh, if there are any hurdles, there are mediators, there are facilitators. Uh, they will be asked to help. Uh, right now, no foreigners are involved. But I think eventually maybe their help will be required. So I am remain hopeful. But I think one of the uh, issues which is very important is the... American election hmm. and the outcome will also determine the way the peace process moves forward. Right, right. Okay. Finally, Michael, your thoughts and with that we will conclude the discussion here. So so where your eyes will be going forward to determine where we are headed with this now? Well, I think uh, the next few months will be essential to hmm. see if transition or if the negotiations transition from uh, the procedural discussions about logistics to the more substantive issues. And I know that each side has different priorities uh, off the bat. And um, you know, I think clearly the, the Afghan state side wants to get the ceasefire. And um, how well that goes, if there is progress, if there is a willingness to do so in a piecemeal approach, in which you could say have the Taliban agree to reduce certain types of attacks using certain types of weapons, whereas the Afghan state side then says that, okay, we will we'll reduce certain types of attacks with certain types of weapons. My point is that it's going to have to be slow and gradual. Yeah. And if there's patience on both sides to allow for that, then I think that would be a good sign. Okay. Um, final point, I agree the U.S. election is important, but I don't think U.S. policy toward the peace talks will change, regardless of who the next president is. I think there's bipartisan support for supporting the peace talks, but at the same time for effecting a, 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 a military withdrawal. Okay, terrific. So with this, we have to conclude the conversation here. Thank you very much, Michael Kugelman, Senior South Asia Fellow at the Wilson Center. And also big thanks goes to Nader Nadri, member of the Afghan negotiating team in Doha, Rahimullah Yusufzai, Senior Pakistani Journalist and prominent Taliban expert in Pakistan, and uh, yeah, Malale Bashir, uh, the Afghan journalist from Radio, Radio Free Radio Liberties, Afghan Service Radio Azadi, ended up not joining our conversation. So with this, uh, this is it from me, Mohammed Tahir, Radio Free Radio Liberties media manager and host of the APAC File, a joint podcast series of Radio Free Radio Liberty in the Wilson Center. So please join us in two weeks. Until then, bye-bye.